what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. With me at the podcast recording studio table is Chris Fry. Chris, you are the co-founder and co-director of the Foot Candle Film Society uh, and also the co-director of the Foot Candle Film Festival, which I'm very happy to say I'm sharing that co-title with you. So uh, how are you doing? I am doing well. Um, Interested to hear your thoughts on today's movie. Um, Okay. Yeah. Because I'd I'd seen it, and I remember I'd seen it, and then it is nominated for an Academy Award, and so that kind of got a little bit more attention to things, Mm -hmm. and then we decided to review it, and I'm interested to hear hear your thoughts on it. Well, we will get into that in just a moment. The film Chris is teasing you about is the film uh, Society of the Snow, which is a uh, uh, telling of the story of the rugby team that, that crashed in the Andes back in the 1970s. Uh, for people who say, say, well, that sounds familiar. Yes, there was a movie made called Alive that was uh, made of that that story back, I think, in the late 90s, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yes. Well, um, yeah. But this is a new version, a new telling of that story by uh, writer and director J.A. Bayona. So we'll be discussing that film and giving a full review of that film in just a moment. That is a Netflix, uh, it's Netflix original, right? I mean, it's like they're releasing on Netflix only. Yes. Okay. So it's available on Netflix now. We'll be reviewing in just a moment. Plus, and I'm super excited for this, Chris. I mean, I know we we capped off 2023 a couple over the last couple of weeks and gave our recaps of what we thought about the year. But now we're turning all our attention to the year that we just started. Gosh, it's already February. So we're already <laughs> deep in the year. Yeah. But we're still going to do this. We're going to hear Chris Fry's most anticipated films of 2024. Your top 10. Yes. Uh, which... We're, since we're already a month into the end of the year, you've actually already seen one of your own top 10. Of 10 right. Yeah. Films. Cause it came out in January. So, right. yeah. so right. you'll get a quick little recap on how that experience was, but I can't wait to hear the other nine and see if any of the list, any of your lists are making my list or if I've got uh, some arguments to make with you on your list. We'll see when we get to it. That'll yeah. be fun, but let's get right into our movie review. Again, it is the story of the rugby team. Uh, crashing in a, onto a glacier in the Andes and their story of survival. This is the film Society of the Snow. Cuando no tenés ropa, te estás congelando. Director J.A. Bayona first came to the movie-making world's attention in 2007 with his horror film, The Orphanage. Bayona follows up on his most recent film, being 2018's Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, with Society of the Snow. The film, as Alan alluded to, tells the true story of a Uruguayan rugby team whose plane crashes on a glacier in the Andes and follows their struggle to survive. As you also alluded to, this is the second time this story has been told on the big screen. The 1993 version called Alive starred Ethan Hawke and was in English. Society of the Snow is in Spanish and is one of the films nominated for Best International Feature Film for the 2024 Academy Awards. Alan, what did you think of Society of the Snow? So I I don't know what verb to use because I feel like saying I love this movie is kind of, it, it's not appropriate for the subject matter of the film, okay? I, and I'm not going to say I enjoyed it because it's a tortuous watch. It's a very, very difficult film. Sure. I'm very much in admiration of this film. How's that? That's the word I'm going to use um, because I do think this film is extremely good. Um, I, if you're going to tell this story, 
and I'm disregarding what happened in 1993 with the film version because I, I looked okay. through my, my, my film log over the years, Chris. I do not believe I've ever actually seen that film. It's one of those where I heard enough about it and I heard people talking about it and it kind of was all buzzy about people talking about that film, you know, when it came out. Um, I don't think I ever saw it, so I have no basis for comparison. But if you have to tell this story, and you do have to tell this story, this is a story worth telling, this is the way to tell it. I felt this was expertly done, harrowing in places where it needed to be harrowing and inspiring in places it needed to be inspiring. Um, it's, it's a tough film to kind of grab onto the characters for me a little bit because the characters – uh, when you see them covered in snow and huddled in blankets, they all look the same and it's difficult to kind of grab onto one individual character over another. But I think the film does the best job it can in giving you some, some, some things to hang on to with those characters and to grab onto them and, and follow the stories appropriately. I, I have a lot to say about this film, but I really am uh, quite in all of it and uh, found it to be very rewarding and uh, an exciting yet harrowing watch. So, Chris, uh, I'm going to turn it over to you and sure. tell me what you think. So, I had seen the 1993 version. I remember going to see it in the theater. I was in college. A bunch of friends went to go see it. And uh, we kind of knew, you know, you see the trailer and you're like, oh, it's a plane crash based on a true story. And it had Ethan Hawks. So it was like, yep, yeah, you know, we're in. Um, I remember liking it. Mm-hmm. And now having seen this film kind of it's weird because I kind of feel guilty mm-hmm. for liking it um, for liking for liking alive the original okay, version. the original the, the older uh, English the, version the older English version because you see this and granted like at the time you know we're in a very different world now in 2024 than we were in 1993 you know we still take other people's stories and make them all English and use American actors and all. We, we still we still do that yeah. so I'm not saying we don't do that anymore but like I can see how now Jay, Jay Bayona, he's a known director mm-hmm. and he's like, and I can see totally like when I first heard about this story, I was like, Oh yeah, this, this is the alive thing. Huh? I wonder why they're remaking it. But then you start to watch it and you're like, well, duh, I know why they're, they're making this because it's kind of their story to begin with. Yeah. And it got appropriated. It and, did. and, uh, that makes me leery to even want to go back and see the 93 version for that reason. You know, well, and you, I, know. you know, I, I think it was, it was, okay. it was good. I liked it. You know, I liked Ethan Hawke's performance. I thought it was, you know, you can't believe some of the things that happened, but yeah. still just because it's, it felt now looking back, yeah. it feels so removed from it that I don't think you need to, okay. there's, there's no reason for you to, Got it. um, because I don't think there's nothing about that version that I don't think this version did just as well or obviously improved on it. Okay. Um, and just the fact, you know, I mentioned when I went to go see that, it was like, Oh yeah, Ethan Hawke's in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, we will get to some of the performances and call some names out and stuff. But yeah, of course I'm not familiar with anyone in this. No. Home. There were no familiar faces for American and, audiences. This should be a fairly, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, unknown actors performing these roles, which I think helps, I think is good. And I think, I think it is good. And it, it is like you kind of said, it was kind of tough because then you can't, you know, there are so many because it, you know, it's a plane full of people. I mean, there's about 30 to 40 people on this plane when it starts. And and it's it's a plane Mm -hmm. full of people and you're trying, you know, and they fall and you're trying to keep track. Okay. Who's saying what, what's, who's the guy that kind of starts out as maybe your narrator or leader. It's, it's a little confusing, but then if you think about it in the terms of the story, it probably should be that way because it's like, it's very chaotic. This has happened. These people are trying to figure out how to survive. It's not a very clean narrative, so to Mm -hmm. say. So the fact that it's, a huge ensemble piece from the very beginning is kind of a good thing. Um, and I, you alluded to, yeah, it's, it is, I don't remember <laughs> the first one being, yeah, it was still harrowing and it was very, you know, upsetting and stuff, but I don't remember it being this intense. I think I remember the plane crash being intense, but well, then the, the things that happen after that, yeah. I don't feel like we're as, I, intense I, and grueling. Like the fact I, there's some times in this where they get kind of snowed in the, the plane avalanche, and so yeah. yeah. And things like, and just some other things that basically the thing that I remember from the other alive. And I think people would say they remember having to 
eat some of the survivors after yeah. they passed away and using that as a food source to be able to survive. Otherwise yeah. there's no way they would have been able to survive. Yes. That's the thing that kind of was the people would talk about back then. Like, mm. Oh, have you seen that movie where the plane crashed and they had mm. to eat some of the survive? Unfortunately that became the whole thing. Yeah, that, that everybody really grisly, grisly detail. About the and film. it's, it's handled as delicately as they could in 93, but something about the way it's done this way. And actually at the conclusion of the film, some of the things that are mm-hmm. done in that it's like, I don't know. It's just not to say the nine three didn't handle it well, but this kind of handled it and didn't sensation. Not that they sensationalize it in nine three, but well, I don't know. It just, it handled it as well as I think you possibly yeah. could. I'm, I'm not, sense. and again, I can't compare sure, it to the 93. Sure. I'm not going to try. I just say, I, I obviously knew that element of the story going into just being aware of the story from a broad sense before sure. watching this film. I thought the way they handled that subject matter, that, that decision, that choice that had to be made, that even the way once a decision was made, how they went about going through it was so well done and defined for the characters in this film. I, I just was really amazed. I'm like, this is, this is like as, this is how I wanted to see if, if I ever had to experience this type of thing, this is how I'd want to see it on screen. And I, I and think it did that so well, the details that they went into about how, like how mm-hmm. they came upon that. And then once they made that decision, how they handled it. Yeah. I think some of those details, maybe they had them in the nine three. I don't remember, but the way they were presented here, yeah. I felt like was so much more, I, I got it. So That's the thing is that I just, I, I understood every character's belief system. I mm. understood their, their willingness or unwillingness and why and what they were going through and trying to deal with it. I just bought all of it. I just, I totally felt like this film does such a wonderful job of putting you in the mindset of where these guys are in their decision process and not just on the, the food source, but on everything. I mean, there's choices being made about, do we, venture out in this area to try to, to try to find something. And if we do, what's going to happen if we do. And it's like, there's consequences with everything and there's decisions being made. And the film just does a wonderful job of helping you see the choices they're having to deal with and understanding the choices they're having to deal with and how it's affecting them, the decisions they're making. And I will, I will sing to the praise, sing, sing on high about the praise of this film and that it does something with the narrative. And I know you've seen, it's been a while since you saw it. So maybe I don't know how much you recall, but with the narrative of the film and the use of a narrator, and I'm mm-hmm. just going to kind of leave it at that. There are some choices made on who we're following as a narrator and for how long that I thought were really well done. And there is a pivot point where the narrative shifts in its objectivity of the story and it actually made it for me more impactful. It actually made that last section of the film more impactful because of the change in narration or the change in the style of narration. And, and it just, it just worked. And so. I, I think, yes. Yeah. I envy you. Mm. <laughs> I envy you for not having seen the original because it actually caused a little bit of confusion for me mm. because I kind of knew, I mean, we know they're, we know they're survivors. That's something, yeah. you know, you, you know. Right. You do know that. So, right. So, and that caused a little bit of confusion for me because I was thinking in my head, I already knew how certain things were going to play out and they yeah. did play out that way, but just, yeah, it was a little confusing. It's for helpful me, but to that's, know. That's yeah. my fault. Not well, the film's fault. I, all I knew going into it is I knew there were some survivors. Sure. I did not know how many. Right. I didn't oh, know if okay. it was two okay. or if it was 20. I okay. had no idea. So that helps with the story a little bit. And I didn't know the circumstances in which they um, survived. Right. And I the, don't know. See, and that's, you know. Yeah. And I think I will say um, there, I can't remember the gentleman's name. You can find it online, but uh, one of the survivors did act as a, a reference for the first film for the 93 okay. alive. And he acted as a reference again on this film. So okay. it's like he, they they did you know talk to the survivors Good. or the group like both times so there there were you know they did have help both times but I think just I guess maybe the care that this film took it it's an extra half hour long the other live is two hours this is two and a half hours and man like I felt it I I think 
I guess just the way the first film to me, upon my recollection, seemed a lot more like polished, mm-hmm. not polished, like, but just kind of given that Hollywood sheen of like it's an taking off all, all the details and the, the edges that you don't really have to have and just getting you straight to the plot points and the beats. And it still makes you yeah. appreciate what these people went through, but maybe does it, it's not perceived as being as harrowing or as grueling. Yeah. Not that, not that, you know, but yeah. it's difficult to, difficult to put into well, words. Well, th- this, this film had, it, it's really two scenes that I felt like were just some of the most intense, scariest things I've seen in a long time. One is the plane crash itself. Sure. I mean, that is, it is, Every bit as traumatic as it honestly needs to be to put you in the mindset of where these people are. Because what just as harrowing is the the crash itself, it's the aftermath of the crash. It's sure. the immediacy afterwards that actually was probably even scarier um, to see. Then, as you mentioned, there's there's scene involving Avalanche. And I'm not going to go into much more detail on that. But just, yes, that was another thing that the way they staged it and it kind of comes out of nowhere and it hits you as the viewer, just like it does the members of the, uh, of the crew there. Um, boy, it was, it's a tough watch. I mean, look, I had to watch this thing by myself. I, my wife was interested in coming to see it. I said, after I'd already gotten started, I'm like, Nope, I don't think this is going to work for you. It, it's a tough watch. It's sure. a very, very tough watch. Plus she has a plane flight coming up in a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? You don't need to see this right now. So, sure. um, I tell you what, too, from a from a visual standpoint, I mean, obviously, you, the 95 percent of the film takes place in the, in the Andes mountains, mountains yeah. and uh, very stark but yet beautiful mm. landscape. And that's what I thought they balanced so well too. Is that I found myself looking at the scenery and just thinking how beautiful it is, but yet they also uh, Bayona also just makes the the, the landscape. Um, a villain, you know, at times, I sure. mean, there are points where you're wanting just as a viewer, just like you're like they're wanting to see what's beyond a ridge or what's over here. And when you see it, you have your same sometimes stomach drop or heart drop, just like they do, you know, I'm sure at times uh, just to understand how perilous the situation is. So it's a, I, I just thought this was a masterful directed film. Um, performance wise. I, I, I don't really, there's not really a call out performance. I want to say, I mean, I think this is a true ensemble where everybody, everybody's performing a really, really top notch game. We do follow one character, maybe a little bit more than others. We get a little more backstory for him a little bit. And he is kind of our narrator for, for the film. And that is the character, you know, well, the real person's name is Numa, Numa Takati. And he's played by Enzo Gronerick. Vergronisic, I'm going to go with that. And uh, again, I'm not giving it as a call out to say he's better than everybody else. I think everybody here is very, very good. Um, Sure. And just a very, uh, they knew what they were signing up for as an actor and they, they delivered. And I thought the ensemble was great. So, uh, but Numa as kind of our, our protagonist, our person to follow, I think uh, carried the film extremely well and uh, brought us on board the way he needed to. So, yeah, I'll say the the events that take place towards the end of the film, where you kind of find out you know, how mm-hmm. things wrapped up. I think that was one area too that, at least in my recollection, that part kind of grounded it a little more, mm-hmm. as opposed to just okay, we have survivors, yay, the movie's over. It kind of showed the survivors trying to integrate back into society, yeah. and we'll just kind of leave it. But the the way those and maybe that's maybe that's the last 20 minutes that wasn't in the other film that this is a half hour longer or whatever. Like that's what really kind of helped to ground this film, make it seem, you know, real important. I I appreciated it. I thought it was really good. And I'll also, I don't believe that this film ended with the traditional uh, depiction of a real event uh, motif of having the lines coming up explaining like what all the characters are doing now or right. It didn't have any of that, which I also appreciated too. I think the coda of the film that last 15 minutes or so you're talking about did what I needed to do. It gave me what I needed for these characters, but the use of photographs was something that comparing the real photographs to photographs we saw taken throughout the film. um, That worked for me. It's like, Mm -hmm. that was enough. I didn't need to see, you know, don't, don't tell me what each character is now doing in their life or how long they lived or whatever. I don't, yeah, the photographs worked and, and, and became 
that connection point to the real story in the film we just saw. So, um, yeah, I, I could talk about this film for a good while. <laughs> I, I did find it extremely, extremely, uh, interesting to watch. And, uh, just begin. I, I will say as a warning for anybody listening, I mean, it is sure. a very difficult watch. If you saw the 93 version alive, I'm going to go ahead and guess this was more intense and more harrowing than that. Just my guess. Sure. Cause I know that was a Hollywood driven film with bankable movie stars and they typically aren't going to go quite as, as in depth. This one, this one's a tough watch, but uh very, very tough, but found it extremely rewarding. When I think I'll say, you know, you know, kind of echoing what you're saying, you're saying it's a rewarding watch. It's a tough watch, but it's, it's worth seeing. And I'll, I'll second that. And I'll say, you know, if you're wondering, like I was, when I heard this movie was, like, Oh, well I've seen alive. I know the story. Mm-hmm. Do I need to see? And the answer is, as I've kind of already mentioned, yeah, this, mm-hmm. I think this is the superior version. Not the other version's terrible, but I think it's told by the people who should be telling, who should the, be story. telling the story. You know, yes. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I, I saw it and I would recommend that people who saw alive, if you're interested in the story, yeah, you, sh- you should check this out as well. It's, yeah. It's so worth it. Jay Bayona. I just want to mention, you know, I have not seen the impossible. I have not seen the orphanage. Okay. Oh, Actually, okay. I'm not really familiar with his other films, unfortunately, other than the Jurassic park movie, which we did review and I was not a fan of. Okay. Um, well, let me, let me, okay. So yeah. the orphanage, I will also, Highly recommend. It's okay. it is a horror film. It was very unusual. I think somebody who I think kind of helped shepherd him along with that film was Guillermo de Toro. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of helped because he at that point had had some success and he's like, Hey, here's another upcoming guy that I'm gonna support and kind of put the word out there. You need to see this film. Like the orphanage a lot. Um, impossible. It was really interesting because it's based, you and I were talking before we went on air based on an event, a tsunami event that did happen, Mm -hmm. but the actual story that's told in there of a couple with a kid who gets split up and how they like struggle to try to find each other. That was kind of fabricated. Um, actually I'm sorry. Or was it not? Let me just give you a note (laughs) because we're, we're fact checking this in real time. And this is, Chris is referring to the film, the impossible from 2012 directed by Jay Bayona. It also depicts a disaster, you know, and that is a tsunami. Right. So it actually, my, my apologies. I told Chris beforehand, it was not based on a true story. Uh, it actually is based on the experience of a true person and okay. her family. Okay. So a true family that, you know, are kind of relayed their experience that's during this tsunami. And that was what was made in the movie. So, okay, there we go. So Jay Bayona has done two disaster related true stories and showing kind of the human spirit of, uh, you know, getting through these, these trials and tribulations. So that was what the impossible did. And now he's done that with the society of the snow, but you're saying the movie itself, your call your impression it, it was, of the film it was okay. Yeah. I would say it's okay. The thing that was troubling and granted when I watched it, <laughs> um, the internet had already like voiced their opinions. The big, the big brouhaha with that film was that the couple is Ewan McGregor, Naomi Watts, and I don't remember who the the child was. Uh, it's actually uh, Mr. Tom Holland. Oh wow! Tom Holland was oh, the, wow. the boy. Okay, yeah. so that was before he was Spider Man, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so there's two people, and a lot of people's concern or kind of what they complained about the film was um, where was did the tsunami take place? Uh, the tsunami took place in uh, just at the Indian Ocean. Okay. Okay, so basically instead of following people uh, and what happened to people of that region, they follow a white right, Thailand. English, okay. Thailand. Okay. Mm. So instead of following like all yeah. these Thailand, you know, people in Thailand, people right. native to the country and what happened to them, they follow this affluent white couple yeah. and they're playing. And you're like, okay, yeah. And it's terrible to whoever was there, but the fact that they are the focus, a lot of people really came sure. down on the film. I could say that. But so, I will say that I think it showed though that Bayona could do a scope of a huge event like that. And with society, Snow, you can see how his skills that he's developed as a filmmaker, how they came to play. And I think, you know, this is obviously from what Alan and I've said, society, this Snow is a much better film. Yeah. It's, I know this was a technically a 2023 release. Sure. Came out like very late 2023 on Netflix, I believe. Or 
Or did it not come out till it January? It may have come like early January. I'm not okay. sure. I'm not sure. But it technically got at least some theatrical release in 2023 to be able to be considered for awards, correct? Right. I think they have and to. And this is, um, uh, what was the, whose con- what country uh, submission was this? Is this Spain's? Uh, or it, it may be. Or Uruguay's? Yeah. Good, good question. I mean, because the... The filming place, the filming locations were in Chile in the Andes Mountains. So I don't know right. if it could be. Yes, I, I, I don't know whose okay. actual entry it is. All right. But it's definitely, way, it definitely is an yeah. entry. Okay. And I looked and saw that especially January 4th was the release date in the U.S. Okay. On like Netflix. So. All right. So then uh, the film is. Right. The film is nominated for Best Foreign Language Picture. Um, one of the five nominees for this year's Academy Awards, correct? Yes. All right. Um, I know I'm saying this without having seen all the other entries, but this is absolutely my favorite right now. Okay. Um, Fair enough. We will certainly see if that's the way it ends up. Um, And if, you know, if I had seen this in 2023, this probably would have been somewhere bouncing around in my top five, six, seven films as it is now, since it technically is released United States in January, we are considering this a 2024 film. So right now it's my favorite film of 2024. <laughs> well, there you go. I only have maybe three to work with on that scope. Fair so enough. Uh, we'll see. Um, that is society of the snow. Anything else, Chris, we're mentioning mention there. No, I think it's a strong contender for, uh, for the award at the Academy Awards. We'll have to wait and see, but, uh, okay. The film is representing Spain. It is Spain. Yeah, Spain okay. is, this is their, production their, award. their production for okay. the Academy Awards. And it is one of the, uh, films nominated for international feature film and ba- best makeup and hairstyling also got a oh, nomination. Okay, so for you got two well. nominations. Mm-hmm. Okay, did. Yep. So we will certainly see on March 10th how this film fares in both of those categories. So, uh, all right, Society of the Snow. It is available on Netflix right now. It is Netflix exclusive here in the United States. So that is where you can see it. Uh, we're both recommending it strongly, but it is a it is a tough watch. Um, I always like to throw that in there, not that we're trying to be parental with it all, but just, you know, I think it's important to know that this is a, it's a tough subject matter. It's a very, very difficult story, but I feel like expertly, expertly told. So, okay, Chris, let's take a quick little break and we okay. come back. I want to hear your most anticipated films of 2024. It's going to be fun. I love countdowns. <laughs> I love numbers. I love lists. Chris has got one to share. So we're going to go through his list here in just a moment. So stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. We'll be right back in just a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Hello and welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. Chris and I had our review of Society of the Snow earlier, both high recommendations for that film, well-made film, available on Netflix. But Chris, as I said, that was technically a 2024 release, came out on Netflix or in the United States at the very first week of January. So it is one of the first releases of the year. But, uh, you know, we talked about our 2023 best of year a couple episodes ago. We recapped the year. Every year, we always look forward to see what are some films coming out this coming year that we're looking forward to. And I may have some of my own kind of penciled in somewhere, but you have actually created a list. And I want to hear your list of the 10, your most anticipated films of 2024. But do you need to set up some rules yeah, for us or ground rules on I, things? You know, always us, have sorry, ground rules. To make okay. sure we know. So just like with the lists that you and I have already done for years in where we were doing films, this list is also in alphabetical Yeah, it's in alphabetical order. So not ranked by importance or... No. Uh, or uh, like your, which one's released first or whatever. No, it's just... Just an alphabetical listing of yeah. 10 films. Right. Okay. Um, so, and these... Assuming release dates stick, these yes. all will come out in 2024. Some have in Letterbox, they have 2023 dates, but I'm assuming that means they were doing festival circuits and then they'll actually still be released come out in 2024. Now, so just a, I guess to put the disclaimer out, some of these films may not make it in 2024. That's true. So, you know, they, just, they may not. You may be revisiting them for your 2025 list right. if they, they don't make it out yet. So. Right. And then a guiding principle for the list as well is there are no sequels, no mm. remakes. 
and no cinematic universes. So there's okay. going to be no Marvel cinematic stuff. There's no, there's no Dune two. There's no, you know, any, none of that. Um, no Deadpool three. No Deadpool three. Mm-hmm. So it's because that actually violated two of the rules. <laughs> right. It was cinematic universe and a sequel. and a sequel. Right. Yeah. So none of, none of that stuff can be here. So that kind of forces me to kind of you know really scavenge what's supposed to come out and really try to find some unique titles. So, um, and I will go ahead and say. Because I made this list uh, December 31st, I have already seen one of the films on this so list. So one of the 10 films you're going to be listing yeah. is something you've already seen now. But you had it on your list as of December 31st for your anticipated films of 2024. What I should do, yes. And what I should do probably at the end of the year is see mm-hmm. how many of these films succumb to the I had too high expectations and that hurt my opinion of the I film. think we need to do a little research project Chris on each of your anticipated films every year and then correlate it against your rate your best films list at the end of the year because it I think it does do find out films. what percentage of films <laughs> actually do make it and if it wasn't for your level of anticipation built up could they have fared could better? they have done I yeah, don't know possibly all right well um uh, so I'll uh, go, yeah. uh, but you know, theory be damned. We're going to go forward with it anyway <laughs> yeah. and still hear your anticipated films for 2024. Excellent. So, um, the first one that I'll start off with is called the American society of magical Negroes. Yes. It's being directed by Kobe Libby. And I'll give you kind of the plot description as what it's given in letterboxd. Aaron is an idealistic young black man. Who's recruited by veteran agent Roger into the American society of magical Negroes. Aaron finds that working for the society, an ancient secret and magical organization dedicated to making white people's lives easier is the most challenging and unexpected journey of his life. It stars justice Smith as Aaron and David Allen Greer is also uh, starring in the film. So just the premise of that, I'm completely unfamiliar with the director. Um, I think this is his uh, directorial debut. So that Mm -hmm. kind of adds interest right there. But I'll admit how I came up with this title. I was in the theaters around the holidays seeing you know films just like everybody else, and I saw the poster for this, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Do what?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> just and just the title, you're kind of like, "Okay." And so then I started doing some research. I'm like, "Okay, it it goes on the list," um, because it just it's a very unique. Premise. Well, playing on that 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 cinematic trope that I, so many movies have fallen into in the past and gotten properly criticized for, yes, is the quote magical Negroes idea of someone that you need as a supporting character to just kind of magically show up in a film or have some sort of profound impact on the the lead uh, actor actress. You can think it, of things so, like Field of Dreams, right. or Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, or, there's a yeah. lot of those yeah. examples, and yes, it is a very Overused and unfairly used premise for sure. a film. So they're obviously wanting to make some commentary on that for sure with this film. And I, I think that's great. I'm, I'm excited to see it as well. So that was the first one. Uh, right. Next up, we have The Bike Riders, which I don't have we done a trailer topic on that film? Okay. That was supposed to come out this year. Okay. It's supposed to in 2023. Uh, it actually, because of the uh, strike, uh, it got delayed. Okay. The film was was done. It was, it was done. set for release, and they pushed it back to June. So. so I'll just kind of give a recap on what this sure. film's about. Um, it is directed by Jeff Nichols, and it stars Jodie Comer, Austin Butler, and Tom Hardy, and Michael Shannon. <laughs> yeah. Kathy, a strong-willed member of the Vandals, which is a bicycle game, who's married to a wild, reckless bike rider named Benny, recounts the Vandals' evolution over the course of a decade, beginning as a local club of outsiders, united by good times, rumbling bikes, and respect for their strong leader, Johnny. As life in the Vandals gets more dangerous and the club threatens to become a more sinister game, gang, Kathy, Benny, and Johnny are forced to make choices about their allegiances and loyalty to the club and to each other. So, And it's based on a book of photography, I think maybe that was, so it's, that was taken of like, basically like a hell's angels type club, I guess the vandals of that. Mm-hmm. But, and then somebody wrote kind of this screenplay kind of around the idea of like documenting what happened. So that's my understanding at least. Um, Jeff Nichols, always a big fan of his. Um, and you know, the cast looks impressive. So, um, yes, you could say it just looks like kind of like a easy rider type <laughs> redo type in a way, but I don't know. Um, or something like, I guess I never watched the show, but like a sons of anarchy riff or something. Mm-hmm. So, cause that dealt with like motorcycle gangs and stuff, but, uh, I don't know. I'm interested. No, no, I was, I was, I think I actually brought this up as a film. I was very curious about and anxious to see. So 
glad to see it still made your list. That is awesome. Okay. So, um, and hopefully it will come out. It didn't come out in 2023. Hopefully it will well, come out it in should, should be a pretty lock for this year. I mean, I think the idea is it was done. I mean, it's a movie that was ready to be released. It was just um, because of the, the strikes that were going on, they just couldn't promote it. And they have a lot of star power behind the film, so they wanted to get it out there. So, yeah. So next up mm-hmm. is The Book of Clarence. Uh, this was a 2023, but it came out in 2024. James Samuels, the director, the cast, the Keith Stanfield, Omar Sy, David Oyelowo. The story, I'll give you, is a streetwise, down-on-his-luck Clarence, that's the Keith Stanfield, is struggling to find a better life for his family while fighting, fighting to free himself of debt. Captivated by the power and glory of the rising Messiah and his apostles, he risks everything to carve his own path to a divine life and ultimately discovers the redemptive power of belief may be his only way out. So yes, this is a biblical epic. Mm -hmm. It takes place back in that time. Um, I was thinking when I put this on my list, I have now seen it, so uh, that it was going to be kind kind of like a Life of Brian take mm-hmm. you know, the Monty Python film life of Brian done obviously a while ago. Cause it was a Monty Python film. Um, it is a really interesting film and I think I'm glad I saw it. Okay. I think it did. It, it is one that suffered definitely from my expectations because James Samuel also made a film that I believe was a Netflix original. That was the harder they fall. That was like a Western. Mm-hmm. And I liked that one and I thought it was good. And then he took on this, crazy premise of what I just described. And I was like, okay. And then I saw the names involved. I was like, okay, this is going to be amazing. And it was, it was good. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it should be praised because it is a biblical epic that for the most part has an all uh, black cast. Mm -hmm. So just, I can imagine that it might be kind of cool for people who have never seen depictions of the Bible with that type of cast. That could be a very, you know, edifying thing to see there, you know, I see somebody that looks like me up on the screen doing something back in biblical times. Okay. So applaud it for that. But something about, and I think this all related The acting was fine across. It was great across the board. Um, camera work looked great. Direction was good, but the script for me struggled between being a little too comedic mm-hmm. and then the tone shifting into something that's pretty pretty serious Hmm. as far as some stuff going on. So, and I don't know, maybe I should, maybe I need to see it again and just realize like now that I know what it is and know how things kind of shuffle out, be more okay with it. I don't know, but it's, I'm glad this film exists. I would be curious if you ever caught up with it, what your thoughts were on it. Um, So not overall successful for me, but I am glad that I, I saw it. So that's uh, the book okay, of Clarence. And I don't know if it is still in theaters. It was in theaters, but I think it's probably made it. Yeah. Weird. I think it's already out. Oh, so yeah. maybe something people can just catch up with when it hits a streaming service. Sure. But uh, that's the book of Clarence. Okay. So definitely right. a filmmaker, you know, harder they fall with this film. I'm still interested to see what he's going to do next because yeah. hopefully I don't think this film make a lot of money. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so hopefully he'll still get a chance to continue making films. Cause I think he's talented and obviously has the imagination. So, um, so that, that's the book of Clarence. Okay. Okay. Great. Working down, working down the alphabet. I believe the next film I'm going to mention, we have also mentioned, but I'm not sure you'll have to tell me, um, is civil war by Alex Garland. I think we did a trailer for this. Yes. As well. We have talked about this as well. We showed the trailer and discussed it a bit. Yeah. So it's, Another one of those with a, a big cast, Scott Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, which I don't know from here on out since uh, Power of the Dog, are they always going to be sold as a package, even though they may not be like husband and wife or whatever, like in yeah. the same film. It just seems like now that Power of the Dog happened, which I believe that was the first time they were on screen together in the as same film. As far as I can recall, And it's yes. like now, like... I feel like another film recently has also had them in it as well. So it's just interesting, but um, Alex Garland, huge fan of his. um, And it's kind of the near future dystopian film um, where the U S stands on the brink of a civil war. Um, I'm interested to see it. Could a problem with it (laughs) could be that it could be a struggle to watch in 2024, seeing Mm -hmm. as how we are in an election year. And that tends to, 
make things very on edge. I think it's going to be a very interesting release of this film in April when it comes out. So, yeah. yeah, but uh, still, it it, it no, I'm list. super excited for this film. I I brought it up. I remember with our trailers because I was really curious the tone of the film. I, yeah, I couldn't tell if this was Alex Garland trying to make something uh, a more actions and more broad appeal film tapping into you know our society's wants at this point or if there was going to be something more to it than what we kind of saw on the surface and i'm kind of hoping for something more but i, I still trust that it's going to be an interesting film regardless so agreed yeah <laughs> we'll have to and it's gonna be yeah you said april so it's approaching mm-hmm. we don't have to it wait all the approaching. way till summer or proceed picture time in november so it'll yeah We'll find out the answer pretty soon, hopefully. So um, next up, uh, we have Drive Away Dolls, which is a new film by Ethan Cohen. And this is another film where he and Joel are not working together. It is just Ethan. Um, To me, it seems like kind of a return instead of going the Macbeth route. um, (laughs) Now, did Ethan or Joel do Macbeth? I don't know. Yeah. Um, It may have been Joel. But still, like instead of doing something that does not fall into something I would think the Coen brothers would do yeah. <laughs> rather working independently or together. Um, this looks like something that is a Coen brothers film. Like I, mm-hmm. I get it. Um, it's Jamie, an uninhibited free spirit bemoaning yet another breakup with a girlfriend and her demure friend, Marion desperately needs to loosen up in search of a fresh start. The two embark on an impromptu road trip to Tallahassee where things go awry because they cross paths a group of inept criminals along the way. So you have the whole like two happy go lucky people run into criminals, you know, and things start happening. They chase them. You have kind of the, from the trailer, at least the stereotypical kind of Coen brothers, dark humor type. Mm-hmm. It looks like a, a lighter blood simple because yeah. you have that whole crime thing, but it still has some like jokes, kind of like a raising Arizona feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you've got, uh, Margaret Qualley, you've got Beanie Feldstein, Coleman Domingo, Pedro Pascal, Matt Damon. So, and I think some of Pedro Pascal, Matt Damon are more like cameo role type yeah. things, but still, um, kind of a, an interesting buddy film. Um, so I'll, I'll be interested. Well, so, so, so Joel was the director of the tragedy of Macbeth. Okay. So he did so Macbeth. He went that, and Ethan is now, this is his first Solo, solo thing, and uh, Got you. yeah, he definitely seems to be adopting more of the comb, the traditional Coen Brothers style film. But who knows? Yeah, you know, it could be a little different too than what we're expecting. So yeah. I remember seeing a trailer for this mm-hmm. several months ago, kind yes. of out of nowhere. I knew nothing about it, Me and was kind of shocked when I saw it was an Ethan Coen film. And uh, <laughs> right anyway, and then it seems like the delay from when they showed the trailer to when this film's released. I don't know if it also suffered a little bit from writer strike delay or who knows. Yeah. I'm not sure, um, but that is coming out in when I I don't know. It's there again. It's listed as 2024. Uh, looks like it's going to be, hold on. I'll be able to tell you right here. Uh, February. Oh, okay. February 23rd is the date for drive away dolls. And as far as I know too, I forgot to mention, um, these films with the exception of one, um, are theatrical releases. I oh, yeah. think that's another rule you, you've no, laid no, no, on top no, no, of this. No, no, that wasn't a rule. It just no. so happened. No, that yeah. all 10 of them were. Well, okay. yeah, with the exception of, I think two that I know are coming. Anyways, who knows how, but I like driveway dolls. Maybe it's just going to go straight to Netflix. I don't mm-hmm. know, but I think it's theatrical. Well, we'll have to see. Okay. Okay. So next I have uh, evil does not exist. This is from, um, Risuke Hamaguchi. And he's the person who did, um, Drive My Car, which was Oscar nominated a couple of years ago. So this is a new film by him. It has a 2023 release date, so I think it has played festivals. So, um, But the summary of the film is Takumi and his daughter, Hana, live in Mitsubiki Village, close to Tokyo. One day, the village inhabitants become aware of a plan to build a camps, camping site near Tokoyumi's house, offering city residents a comfortable escape to nature. And I think things from what I've heard, I haven't even seen a trailer for the film. It's kind of like, it's a corporation kind of making a campsite. So it's kind of like 
what happens to their neighborhood. It's like a corporatized version of nature. It's like, I don't know, there's some interesting things going on there, but I just surely based because it's the guy who did drive my car. Mm -hmm. um, was a very long film and I, but I remember really liking it. This is actually only 106 minutes. So it's a little bit more concise. It's like half the length of driving the car. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, I, I, I was just curious to see uh, something else from that filmmaker. So uh, that's evil does not exist. Have no idea when it's going to be released or how, but uh, it was, you know, festival circuit 2023. So I think at some point yeah. it will come out in 2024. Okay. All right. So for the great. general audiences. Mm -hmm. Okay. So continuing on, mm -hmm. we have Hitman by Richard Linklater, filmmaker we know have talked about here on the show many times. Uh, but this film is the theory behind or the synopsis behind it is a cop working undercover as the most in-demand hitman in Houston breaks protocol in order to help a desperate woman escape her abusive boyfriend. Now, in general, would not be interested in that mm -hmm. in that description. But the fact Richard Linklater is doing it, I'm curious. And then Glenn Powell, who is somebody who was in Top Gun, he was in a romantic comedy that came out around the, around the holidays, which I don't even, anyone but you, I think was the name of that one. Um, and I did not see it. Oh, right, right. Mm -hmm. um, but Hitman, I'm, I'm curious. Because um, Richard Linklater, I'm always curious to see what he does. He's an interesting filmmaker. Mm -hmm. But um, with this one, I don't know. I'm curious. It came out or it's been doing festival circuit in 2023. So some early people have seen it already. Um, and I believe it is a Netflix release possibly. I think I did hear um, that this one was going to be Netflix maybe. Yeah, now will have it have a theatrical handy. run beforehand? I don't know. Right. I don't have that handy, but uh, it's probably a pretty good guess. Netflix uh, release. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it's a Netflix release for any film and just assume that I got a 50, 50 <laughs> chance of being right. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's Hitman. Uh, June seventh is the date. Okay. For June seventh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Mickey seventeen. This one did have a release date of twenty twenty four when I put it on the list, and unfortunately now, poof, that release date has disappeared. Yeah, they've taken it off the release schedule altogether. <sighs> See, that's that's frightening. Yeah. Um, it was directed by Bong Joon Ho, and the plot synopsis with this one: Mickey seventeen is an expendable a disposable employee on a human expedition sent to colonize the ice world of Nifheim. At one, after one iteration dies, a new body is regenerated with most of its memories intact. So then it's like wondering, what are you doing to me? Kind of in a way similar to Moon by mm -hmm. Duncan Jones that you yeah. and I talked about long time ago in the sure. show's history. Um, but this one stars Robert Pattinson, I believe, as Mickey 17, Mark Ruffalo, Tony Collette are in it as well, Stephen Yoon. Interesting cast. Um, I love sci-fi. I'm a big fan of Bong Joon-ho. His prior film, Parasite, was my top film of that year. But I am worried yeah. that this has been uh, bumped. So It has been. So, yes, well, that will be an interesting thing to see what happens with this film yeah. or when it's going to come out or how yeah, hopefully or hopefully what? it's just a matter of maybe distribution i don't know and hopefully it's not because there have been problems with it but uh I don't know. yeah I'm, I'm i'm sad mickey 17 yes okay all right waiting to hear on that one yes so. um next up is another 2024 film we have discussed on the show it is being released on netflix so we can confirm all those things mm -hmm. um it is spaceman which okay. was the adam sandler film that we've yep. talked about the trailer as well so um, since we talked about it really recently, I won't do the whole plot description, but it's, sure. it is sci-fi. Adam Sandler's in it. He is the, the astronaut, the spaceman of the title. So curious when he does things that are outside of his normal, just when he does something that's not comedies, because yeah. his comedies can be very hit or miss, especially when they're done for Netflix. But when he does things like, you know, uh, what's the Paul Thomas Anderson Punch, Punch Drunk, Drunk Love. Love. When he does mm -hmm. that, or you know things like he did with the um, Safdie brothers, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, he he still makes interesting choices. Yeah. So the fact that he's doing a sci-fi film, the cast looks interesting. The trailer, yeah, still interesting. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll see. That is a uh, spaceman. Yeah, that one's on my list for sure. So I think we've talked about it a good bit, and uh, very very curious about that one. Yeah, great. So. The 10th film on my list okay. is Trap, 
plot is unknown at this time, but it is described as a psychological thriller set at a concert. The people that are associated with the film, Josh Hartnett, Haley Mills of the Parent Trap fame, and this will give you a clue as to the director, mm-hmm. Shalika Shyamalan, and the director mm-hmm. is M. Night Shyamalan. So, okay. um, writer, director, writer, M. director, M. Night Shyamalan, uh, Josh Harnett, Haley Mills. Yeah. Okay. So always interested to see, especially when it is not something he's doing, like the last airbender where he's just a director for hire, mm-hmm. when he is taking on original material that he wrote, um, I'm always willing to give him a shot. You know, he did old was not, you know, thought it had elements that were good, but then kind of fell apart for me. Yeah. Um, but still he's somebody that I'm always willing to give the benefit of the doubt. We know very little about this, but something, a psychological thriller set at a concert. Okay. That, <laughs> that, that sounds like it'd be. And I think, although you and I differ, like I really liked split. That was something that he did semi recently yep. that I really liked. Mm-hmm. And then glass had potential, but then kind of, you know, fell. But those were all both at the, you know at the time when you saw Split, you didn't know it until the very end. Kind of a follow up or a thread on Unbreakable. Yeah. So, um, I like Split Glass, diminishing return there, mm-hmm. but still, I admire for him for trying to come up with original things and working working how he wants to. So with Trap, hopefully, this is not an extension of that trilogy with the heroes things that he was doing. I wouldn't think it is because it doesn't involve Bruce Willis doesn't have. Um, well, Samuel I think Jackson. after the response of glass, I, I think he had always said that that was kind of meant to be kind a of trilogy. A, a trilogy of films he right. could put together. So I don't think we're going to revisit that world. That would be my guess. Sure. Um, I think you're, I could be surprised, but yeah. you know, to me, this is sounds like a lot more like uh well, like old, old was a one-off film that was kind of him exploring a, a story idea he had. I hope it's more like the visitor because I did like the visitor, the uh, visit. I'm sorry, the visit, the visit with the grandparents film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I like that horror Just, film. Yeah, that to me was like good Shyamalan. It's yeah. like self-contained, singular story. It just it knows what it wants to do with the story, and it's just going to have fun with it. And that that worked for me. So, and here's something else. You know, <laughs> we've talked about, and I think all of his films. Yes, they've always had like a for the most part have had like a twist element mm-hmm. or like an ending where he does the thing. Cause that was, you know, the sixth sense is kind of how he got sure. that started. But this film, if he could just make a psychological thriller set at a concert and just worry about making it a psychological thriller and not worry about maybe a twist ending, I yeah. think it could actually be really good. You know, now if he does it great, but like if he could just say, you know what, I'm going to set that aside and just make a psychological thriller. Yeah. I don't know. It could be, could be interesting. No, I look, I, I'm always willing to give him a shot. I mean, I, he lost all my faith after the happening many years ago, oh. but he worked to build it back. Well, after the happening, there was like several films of just no, no interest at all. After earth, uh, last airbender, yeah. some of those just did not work at all. Sure, but he started to kind of get back into his back into his groove. And I'm not saying the films have been great, but they've been okay and well, a little more hit or miss. But sure, but at least I admire the effort being put in. And, I do and too. And it, it'd be yeah. one thing if he was just you know making movies for Marvel or making movies for DC, and we felt like these were just diminishing returns. But when you're trying to come up with original material. And you're not always succeeding. It's like, well, but at least you're trying to. Well, we forgot about knock at the door. That was actually oh, his knock last at the film. cabin. Oh, yeah, knock at the cabin. cabin. Yeah, I'm sorry. Not, but knock that at the was, door. that was based on a book. And yeah, he yeah. adapted That's it. true. That's so, true. Um, Very true. Yeah. And a lot, I think a lot of people really liked that film and I was not as high on it. I was mixed on it. I, I liked elements of it, but, um, didn't work as a whole. So yeah. Right. yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. He, he did make my, uh, top 10, List of uh, films for okay, twenty twenty. Fair enough. That's so, good. And That's this is good. early days yet because we don't even have a poster for this one. But in theory, yeah, I was going to say I looked it up and there's nothing right. about it. So other than just uh, saying it's a film and twenty twenty four is the year, and I saw the couple stars and that was. But about see, it. in a way, especially with a Night Shyamalan film where a lot depends on possibly depends on twists or surprises, I would rather it just kind of come out and well, not, not and see a trailer. And don't for tell it. us what the, I mean, I don't even want to know what the, 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 the 
thing of it is that right. the, you know, the whole premise, even old, that was the thing is that you kind of got the whole premise like way on early. Everybody right. knew what it was. And then it just kind of was setting itself up for a little failure. I think by the end. Sure. I'm all fine with it. If it's just going to be a true, Hey, uh, it's a film called trap. It stars these people. <laughs> it's coming out this date. Uh, that's all you need to know and just go. And I'm, I'd be, I'd be down with that. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. So that is your 10. Yes. That is your 10. Again, all original films, meaning they're not based on, they're not remade, remakes of other films, or they're not sequels to existing films or part of any kind of cinematic universe. Correct. So obviously there are a lot of films you did not include in there because of those those parameters, but 10 original story ideas as films that you are interested in. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on most all of them. I think all of them (laughs) at least have some level of interest with me as well. Sure. Um, so we will certainly see. We're going to need to track these at the end of the year and just see how we did. What, what films mm-hmm. that I didn't mention that maybe are sequels, or what? What are some highly anticipated films that um, you, Alan, have? Well, I think the only one that I can honestly say I'm like looking forward to that falls outside of that round. Honestly, I, I've looked at the whole release schedule for 2024, and it. I think the, the the more interesting films that you've been listing are the ones I'm more anticipated for. There's not anything in a sequel uh, franchise film that I can look at and say I'm excited or interested in that film. The only one that meets that criteria. And it's also a, it is a trap being set for me because this film could be, (laughs) could be no good. Okay. Is the Beetlejuice sequel. That's it. Um, That is the only film I can look at this year and say, okay, it could be really good. I, I've got high hopes for it. Of course, I love the original. I want Tim Burton to return to form. I want to see a really good Tim Burton movie again. But I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just, it, it's it got the trappings of, uh, it could go either direction. Yeah, and I that's think what makes me nervous. That one definitely would have made my list if I didn't have my rule. Just simply because yeah. I like to think if somebody has waited this long... It's resistance <sighs> because I think, I think people, cause Beetlejuice was successful. Everything, yeah, yeah. everybody oh, involved yeah. with it was very successful. I would have thought he would have been pushed to do it before now. And the fact that it's been so delayed gives me hope that no, you know what? Maybe the script is absolutely amazing. And you know, Michael Keaton still doing great work. Mm-hmm. He, he made me, he single-handedly made me like, the flash movie from last year, which apparently nobody else did. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he achieved that pretty much on his own, despite the fact I knew he was in the film, despite the fact it was ruined by the trailer, he still single-handedly saved that film for me. So yeah, if, if I didn't have my rules, that would have definitely made my list. I have tracked down my films from 2023. So I'm going to run through them real quick. This okay. was my, All right, they, these are, this. let's see, these are not in alphabetical order, but I'll just list them anyway. Um, Asteroid city. Bo is afraid. Barbie, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Next Goal Wins, Renfield, 65, and The Last Voyage of the Demeter. So you can see in those films, because we reviewed most of those on the show, um, I think the ones that really let me down, probably Bo is Afraid, Renfield, and 65. Yeah. And Voyage of the Last Voyage of the Demeter. Those are, but things that were successful for me, obviously Oppenheimer, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Um, so they were a little split on the list there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, that's the, that's, so I'd say it wasn't a hundred percent lived up to the expectations. Some Mm -hmm. did suffer. Bo is afraid is probably the most, uh, vicious person that I, I suffered from. That was the Ari Aster film that Joaquin Phoenix, but, uh, yeah. So that was my list for 2023. You you did, Mm -hmm. you did, but you You and I both didn't like, uh, last voyage of the Demeter. Um, I I didn't hate it, but it was, it could have been so much better. And you never saw Renfield. I never saw Renfield. Okay. Don't no. bother. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you, fortunately you've never seen 65 either with Adam driver. Yeah. I never saw 65, which that was one I actually brought up on the show as being kind of interested in when it was first tease and trailer. And then as soon as I heard some negative things about it, I'm like, okay, no, I'm good. Never yeah, mind. Not, never mind. Not good. Unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. So you're batting about 50% on your list right. from 2023. We'll see if that holds up for 2024 or not, but, uh, Thank you for sharing with us your list. Very happy to hear those. I've added a couple to my watch list that I was not aware of or thinking about as much. And we will see what else happens uh, with the rest of the year. 
All right. Well, if anybody that wraps up our show for today, if anybody has any thoughts on any of the 10 films that Chris mentioned or any others that we're maybe forgetting about coming up in 2024 that we should be keeping watch on, uh, please let us know. You can contact us and let us know. Or if you got thoughts on uh, society of the snow that you want to share as well, Chris, how can they get up, get a part of the conversation with us? Sure. You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm or on Facebook, Foot Candle Film Society. Instagram and threads, we're on there as Foot Candle Film. Alan and I are on Letterboxd where we try to track what we're seeing, sometimes leave quick takes, reviews. Do us a favor. Give us a star rating, write a review, share with your friends on whatever service you receive your favorite podcasts on because it could help us reach new listeners, and we would appreciate that. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We will look forward to talking to everybody next time as we review another new film and have some other movie-related discussions. So this has been Foot Candle Films. Thanks for listening. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.